you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Alright guys, I am back from my ski trip in Vermont. It was an absolutely insane time. We got three feet of snow um, at Smuggler's Notch, if you've heard of the place. Amazing mountain to ski at. Um, one of only two triple black diamonds in North America, if you're into skiing. It was phenomenal. I had an absolutely amazing time. However, I was kind of unable to, um, you know, catch up on Hab stuff. I really had to cram this weekend. When I got back, I had to work. Um, get some studying in so I'm not entirely cut up I just wanted to um you know disclaim that while I'm recording this um just so you know that if I do miss something I'm sorry it's not my intent to I just I've I got a lot of stuff I had to do this weekend anyway um we are gonna you know talk Habs but just thought I'd throw that out there um I am trying sorry if I do miss something let me know um Tweet me at HabsNightly, email me at HabsNightly at gmail.com if there's an issue or if you just have a question or something you want me to talk about next week. But anyway, now we're going to jump right into it. So, the Montreal Canadiens, yet again, got an early lead against the team, and this is in regards to the Carolina game, 3 nothing going into the third, or sorry, going late into the second period. You know, Charlie Lindgren coming into the game, finally give Carey Price a rest. He'd played 17 of 18. Um, Lindgren played very, very good. I got home, if you follow me, you saw, and <laughs> flipped on the TV to see Lindgren making an absolutely insane penalty kill save. Or I believe, was it a penalty kill or were the Habs on the power play? Something, whatever. He made an absolutely amazing save to keep the game 2 nothing, And then... You know, 3-0, going late into the third, and Montreal, once again, blew a lead. Carolina tied it late with, like, less than two minutes left. Got lucky. Jeff Petrie ended it in overtime. That was, you know, finally we could pull through and got a win, but we still blew a 3-0 lead. It's kind of the tale of the tape. What Montreal's been doing all season, it's been really, really frustrating to say the least, but we're not going to dwell on that. Philip Deneau scored, Domi scored, Gallagher scored, I mentioned Petrie scored. Nice to see Domi scoring. Um, Multi-point game for Gallagher and Deneau. Thomas Tatar got three assists. That brings his total points on the season to 61 and 67 games. That is absolutely phenomenal. Max Domi now sitting at 17 goals. Philip Deneau, 45 points, approaching that career high of 53 he set last year. I do believe we're going to see him surpass that. So that'll be a nice, you know, nice to see. But, you know, all in all, I think there are negatives we can take from this hockey game. But I'm going to look to take a bunch of positives. You know, Charlie Lindgren had a 900 save percentage, letting in three goals on 30 shots actually played an, a really, really good game. I, I was really impressed with the way he played, how he played. You know, he there was a great article done by Eric Engels that was released on Saturday, I believe, talking about how he is absolutely determined 
to make his mark and win that backup jock. He was quoted saying, I don't want to be the third guy. I want to be the second guy. And when you're with Carey Price, when Carey Price is on team, your team, your best option is second. So it's a good goal to have. I think he definitely has the ability to do so. I think Montreal believes he does too. With their, I'm not sure if they released or reassigned Keith Kincaid. I think they released him. Whatever's going on there, um, it seemed to be mutual. With Keith Kincaid, you know, leaving the team after that very, very short stint with the Habs, we need a backup. Primo, Primo doesn't seem quite ready yet, although I do think, well, at least not in the eyes of the management, I think he could easily be inserted into the lineup. But obviously, Mark Bergman has different plans for his development, which could probably, sorry, possibly turn out for the best. So I, I'm not going to criticize that move too much. Michael McNiven's definitely not ready. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, another quality goaltending prospect who was a big name has kind of fallen off a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if Montreal moves on from him or not in the off season. But um, yeah, this job is Lindgren's to lose. I think he is going to keep it. However, just act, just all in all, of great performance and from what we've seen of him from him at the NHL level. He has shown that he can definitely win games. He is no scrub. I think he could be a backup goaltender in the NHL. Maybe even a fringe starter on some teams. I think his, he projected to be a lot better you know, earlier on in his career when we saw him in 2015, 16, 17. You know, like, he's, he's been around for a while now. In his first few showings, he was absolutely phenomenal. You know, he went through that, I think it was 14-game stretch, 14-15, 2017-18. He had, a, let me look it up, actually. One sec. Yeah, .908 save percentage, 14 games. Pretty solid. .949 in two games the previous season. He, he has shown that he can definitely play at the NHL level. I think he is a good option for us to have. You know, more positives. Another great game from Nick Suzuki. Did not show up on the stat sheet too much, but he did have four shots on goal. Just an overall really good performance. 17 minutes on the ice. Among forwards, that was second, I believe, only to Philip Deneau. Or sorry, third to Philip Deneau and Max Domi. Played very, very well. I'm, his development just continues to be off the charts, you know. I think he's going to make a huge push for the Calder Trophy this year. I think it is a three-horse race now, no longer only a two-horse one. I think he has definitely made a case and could certainly win some votes from, you know, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes this season. So it'll be interesting. To see um, Cole Caulfield just won the Big Ten scoring title as a freshman, which is absolutely insane to see that he scored 19 goals in I think it's 34 or 32 32 games played something like that I'm not sure how many of the NCAA play but you know actually finished with over a point per game with a bunch of assists so that was nice to see um, Mark Bergeron was saying that he's probably going to be returned to the NCAA next season and or the AHL. Um, it is, however, his decision, especially with the NCAA thing, whether he chooses to stay or not. 
if Mark Bridgman's saying that he should stay, I'm going to believe him. It could probably be best for his development. We've seen what he did in college on, by the way, the worst team in the Big Ten as a freshman. I think one more year cannot hurt. He'll be absolutely dom- more dominant than he was this year, but absolutely dominant next season. Hopefully, um, Turcotte can uh, step up and, you know, perform as well. He really underperformed. They're supposed to be very good freshman duo for the Wisconsin Badgers, but, yeah, I don't know. Turcotte just didn't play great to start the season. Um, if he does play good, I'm sure that'll be a very good college team next season. I don't personally don't follow a lot of hockey, or sorry, NCAA hockey, Um but from what I've gathered, they could be very, very good next season. Cole's brother Brock plays for them, so that'll be interesting too. I'm really excited to see um, what happens next year with Cole Caulfield. Um, obviously, we know the talent he is. We know what he brings to the ice. But it's really cool to see what a lot of... Um, sorry, let me think of the word. I'm very, very tired right now. Uh, scouts. Thank you. Sorry, scouts. Um... Sorry about that, guys. Brain fart. Um, scouts like The Athletic and Craig Button, and by The Athletic, I just mean the um, lead scouting staff for The Athletic, both rating Cole Caulfield as an A-level prospect. You know, Craig Button is notoriously stingy with rating prospects highly, so that is very good to see. Craig gets a lot of shit, too, from a lot of people about his analysis, and I'm not a big fan of his um, color commentary or, you know, game commentary. But when it comes to scouting, I do believe that that man is legit. I believe he is the real deal. He knows what the fuck he is talking about. So it's definitely um, a positive when he says that your team has the second best prospect pool in the NHL. And that Cole Caulfield is the best prospect on your team. Speaking of prospects, Romanov on the Romanov front. Some huge news. Mark Bergevin has stated that... He, while shortly after stating that Cole Caulfield will likely remain in the NCAA, Bergevin has stated that Romanov will be coming over to North America next season. Very likely that happens. They're in, currently in talks about how they're going to do so right as we, well, as I speak. Maybe they're in bed because I'm up super late recording this. But, um, yeah, so that's very, very interesting. Another A-level prospect rated by The Athletic and Craig Button. Um, some say that he is the best defensive prospect in hockey. I don't know if I would go that far personally because I haven't seen the offensive upside that we expect from an A-level defensive prospect, but I hope by God I can be proven wrong. He has shown that offensive capability in the World Juniors, and obviously the KHL is a low-scoring league. He's playing with men. It is different. I understand that, but... um. Man, I'm super excited. Next season is going to be huge for the Montreal Canadiens in terms of prospects graduating over. And I think Romanov could easily slide into our, um, our you know, starting defensive lineup. That top six on D, you know, I don't think it'd be that hard for him to break. Whether or not he goes to... I don't think he'd even have to have a stint in Laval. Or he could totally skip it and just come to the NHL. I do believe there will be a place for him. Whether or not he needs that stint in Laval... We'll have to see, but just getting him over here is a huge step, obviously, when you're drafting, you know, Russian players, especially who play for CSKA Moscow, 
really, really stingy and not letting their players come over. They do not like giving up their players to the NHL, which is understandable. Um, for the for Montreal to be able to draw Romanov over is a huge W for the Montreal Canadiens. All of this talk about prospects gets even more exciting when paired with the fact that Montreal, every day that they lose a game, which is becoming more and more frequently lately, get a better shot at Alexis Lafreniere. And I am not in any ways endorsing a tank, nor am I saying I want the Montreal Canadiens to lose hockey games. But... I feel like we deserve a break, and if Montreal can somehow win the lottery, because we look like we're going to finish in at worst 7th, 8th, ninth, around that, and that's where we're slated to be picking, if we can somehow, by God, by the hockey gods, win the, the, the lottery, I, I don't know, I just think that this team is already on an amazing track, and I understand that's a pipe dream. But it's one I'm going to have. Lafreniere leading the team. French superstar is going to be NHL ready next season. Possibly one of the only prospects in that top 10 who will be NHL ready next season. I'm sure more will play in the NHL. I think he is the only one that's legitimately going to be ready. It's a very undersized draft this season. Lafreniere, although an obviously incredible scorer we've seen, you know, what he can do in the CHL, the Klinka Gretzky, the World Juniors. He scores and produces at every level of hockey he's ever played. He also brings that grit and physicality. He will bump people off the puck. He'll protect the puck with his body. It would just, it'd be a storybook if Montreal was able to draft him. Obviously, I really doubt that's going to happen. It, it won't happen, really, logically thinking. But I just, what a perfect way for Montreal to kick off their rebuild and it's something that I wouldn't put money on for Detroit if Detroit doesn't win Alexis Lafreniere this season that's the only way this season can get worse for them they they're already even eliminated from the playoffs they've been eliminated for like two weeks it's it's bad over there and I feel like they almost deserve him but you know I got a dream but taking a more realistic look at around who Montreal is going to be drafting. Cole Perfetti is a big option, often compared to Nick Suzuki as a prospect. I think that that is no, there's no issue with that. If he's, if he's another Nick Suzuki, let's fucking draft him because Nick Suzuki is amazing. We get guys like Marco Rossi who could go top five, could go 15th just based on his size I think Montreal will not shy away from drafting an undersized player Marco Rossi is having an incredible season this year as most people know if you follow the CHL I think Montreal's this season has been an absolute total failure and I really freaked out after the trade deadline but Montreal is in a good position and I believe if Montreal does build through this draft which is very very heavy if they pick in the top 10 they continue to develop their guys i think we could see a competitive team and maybe they will compete next season but as always i'm gonna have to leave you here it's a little shorter i'm just i'm dead tired guys i'm i'll bring a longer episode um for wednesday sorry this is probably might be coming out late um just thank you once again for putting up with this I'm probably going to see about bringing Bayou on soon again. We're going to talk about some more stuff. Um, maybe look at 
maybe look at a in-depth plan of like what we would do in Mark Bergevin's shoes because we do sit here and criticize a lot but we don't always provide the best solutions and we might take a more in-depth look to look at that I haven't talked to him about it yet but I'll be sure to anyways thank you guys as always I've been Mason Dixon this is Habs Nightly thank you for stopping by